0: Hello, flamethrowers, Shereen here. I'm joined by Dr. Brenda Elsie, and we're here to talk to you today. A hot take on the horrifying story that Meg Linehan and Katie Strang reported in The Athletic on Thursday, September 30th, which was about former coach Paul Riley of the North Carolina Courage and the allegations of sexual coercion that have emerged. We're also going to talk about the response from the league and as well as response from
1: players. Brenda, initial thoughts. Well, reading the story is harrowing. Like anytime you really delve deeply into these stories, it's not like the headline indicates. It's not, it does, it feels like more than the word harassment. It feels like more than the word, you know, these players were groomed, they were manipulated, there were patterns of abuse. So it's great reporting Um, the way in which it's written really highlights that fact that we know is the case in almost all of these situations, but just doesn't get conveyed when there's like these brief, you know, these very brief headlines that just don't delve into the story. And, And that's why, you know, really good journalism can can help, you know, elucidate all of this. So initial reaction was that came across so clear to me that this was over the course of years. This was an entire manipulation of a culture on a team. He would take them out drinking. Um, He would build up their confidence, crush their confidence. There was a total lack of professionalism on his part, any way that you see it, any way that you see it. Um, And it affected the entire team. It affected these women's lives tremendously and you know, it's really frustrating that he was allowed to continue to coach. That's
0: one of the things that I think is really important to note. And is that he was hired. He was hired immediately after the the Thorns let him go to the Portland Thorns. And I think this is something that needs to be said. And in a statement yesterday, the Portland Thorns actually said, um, we take all complaints about harassment extremely seriously. Immediately upon receiving a complaint from a player in 2015, we conducted a thorough investigation advised by an outside law firm and placed Riley on administrative leave. And while the findings did not show unlawful activity, they did uncover clear violations of our company policies. Based on this, we chose to sever ties with Riley. The findings and investigations were fully shared with the NWSL League office. So that's part of the statement from the thorns on this. And there's something else that, you know, when we talk about patterns of abuse, we talk about the way that the system persists and that he was hired elsewhere immediately. There was, you know, he went immediately to the courage. And I think there is something to there's something and and had a very successful career at the Courage won coach of the year, they won the championship. I think, but all of this is, is percolating. It never goes away. And and Brenda, before we started recording, you made me really good point that the story has been there been the Whisper Network has been murmuring the story for a very long time. This isn't new. But again, there's not that unfortunately Meg, unfortunately rather Meg's the only full time one of the only full time Soccer, Women's soccer writers in the United States. So there was no dedication to the story. Places may not have the resources to dedicate to the months and months of reporting and the time and the energy it took to do this story. So, I mean, it's not just one bad thing. The system is fucked up.
1: Yeah, it's. I mean, it is fucked up beyond repair. Um, and burn it all down is is named appropriately for this. Um, this needs. I mean, so there's a couple of things here that I'm interested in, and one is why. Why no one said they should go to the EEOC? Right, we have in the U.S. the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, this is where a lot of these complaints should be going. And so I do think to a certain extent, the fact that football has this kind of labyrinthine-like governance structure makes people feel like there must be a place to report this that will be adequately heard and independent. And the truth is in U.S. soccer, as we've talked about time and again, there isn't such an independent body. So Um, For those of you that don't know, if you're experiencing, you know, any kind of sexual harassment in the workplace, and that includes hostile environment, the EEOC, you can Google it. You can go to the government, you can put in where your local office is, you can file a report, they will walk you through. I'm not saying there aren't problems there, but obviously, we can say obviously soccer cannot fix itself. It is is it it is not able to do that. Um, it, it's incredibly disappointing to know that Lisa Baird had these complaints um, six years ago and that he's still coaching. It's also incredibly disappointing that there are nine assistant coaches at the courage and only one is a woman. So who are you going to go to, you know, someone else that was complicit in his behavior. I don't know, maybe they weren't, I'm not accusing anyone, but I'm saying it's going to be very hard to earn those players trust back. And, Um, to create that safe environment that they keep talking about. And that might bring us to safe sport, question
0: mark. I mean, it's funny you just said that I was just looking for that like while our team was looking to discuss this, Jessica pointed out that she couldn't be here today, but she really wanted to point out that safe sport was looped in and the reason is, is because perhaps there's a way a system, despite the lack of ability to report safely. And I do want to remind everybody that NWSL did not have a safe reporting system and many federations for sport do not actually have that so you know, looping in safe sport would be allegedly helpful so that he wouldn't get hired again. And coaches don't get hired again, which is what happened with him. And which is what many coaches in situations who are abusive and who are predators, they do get hired again, they go hopping from one place to the other. And, you know, the, um, the the idea is that this would prevent that. However, Jessica did point out that Ali Raceman recently actually trashed Safe Sport at the congressional
1: hearings that she yeah, testified. In. Yeah, she said it's a mess.
0: It's a mess. And I think one of the things that this points to is that this system is not only flawed, it isn't even meant to, it isn't even meant to be better. It's like this was an afterthought, and it remains an afterthought, even so much, and, and I'll parallel this to abuse that happened with the Afghanistan Women's National Team, there was no way to report it, because the person doing the abusing was the head of the entire federation. This is a pattern not only with Paul Riley. this is a pattern with men in power in soccer all over the place. And then we see this. So it's imperative that there be safe channels. I mean, if you read the story and, and Brent, my question to you is what's the most horrifying part. One of the most horrifying parts for me is the fact that Morgan and one of the players went to the club, went to the thorns and were imploring them please. And then went to the league and implored them, please do this. I can't imagine the, Emotional labor and turmoil and psychological stress that that would have endured on top of these elite athletes.
1: It's hard to parse out what I find the most horrifying. I guess it's kind of sad for me that I always thought of Portland as a particularly feminist and pro LGBTQ place for women's soccer. You know, having like one of the biggest bars, having this amazing supporters group who I'm sure are up in arms right now. Um, I. I guess I had a different, I would have been less surprised if this was at the New York Flash way back when, you know, I would have been less surprised. I guess I'm somewhat surprised that the Thorns knew what they did when they did and that they just sat on it, I guess because in some of my like naivety of thinking that Portland is like the, you know, motherland for women's soccer in the U.S., that I thought they would never risk that because that's so anti-brand, you know, that's actually like, even from a marketing catalyst point of view, that's not the place you want to come off as a sexist club.
0: I, and I have an honorary citizenship to Portlandia. Um, and just to see, Mm -hmm. and, and I absolutely agree with you. It literally destroys this progressive ideal that we have, of soccer and who protects it and who are the who are the guardians of the game? This is a fucking disaster that is league wide and the reverberations of this have been affected. It's destroyed the careers not just of you know Sinead Mana. It has destroyed the careers possibly many more who have not reported because who are they going to go to if literally they have Alex Morgan on board advocating for them? Undoubtedly, one of the world's biggest stars and even back then was notable. And still can't get attention like what for the players that are on the bench for the ones to whom and this was noted in the piece as well when Tobin Heath Christine Sinclair and Alex Morgan were at the thorns Portland because they were at the same time I just want to remind everybody, Paul Raleigh didn't go for them because they weren't going to be coerced by him in the same way, their level and their prestige and their status was higher. So he was preying on those that were on the cusp that would have been on the bench or might not have been starters. And that's what we see. He was psychologically tormenting them and abusing that power. So even if they they got someone to, to try to advocate for them, in this case, it was Alex Morgan. Um, and it still didn't hit. It still didn't land. It makes you wonder for all the people that didn't report.
1: Oh, absolutely! Fuck yeah, Alex Morgan, you're such a you're such a hero. I love her. I love her. She's always out there, like, you know, making making statements. I'd love to see that behind the scenes. She made good on that. That she actually did try to to facilitate contact and use her kind of star power to protect her teammates to the extent to which she could. Which you're making the point she couldn't even um it's really sad frustrating disappointing to see that she's really the only player that would go on the record um and that doesn't not disappointing like you know they're bad because they're not going on the record but disappointing because it means they're you know still afraid for their jobs as well so this is still ongoing they don't have faith that if they come out by name that they're going to be protected and you know i'm sure that they're right about that um so yeah i mean (laughs) Okay, but can we just talk about the fact that like so the US Soccer Federation should already have launched an investigation like back mm-hmm. in 2015 um, for many reasons and Richie Burke included and lots of other people will be coming down um the pipeline. Mm-hmm. And
0: just just so we know, Richie Burke, former <laughs> coach of Washington Spirit, is still not listed on Safe Sport. Remember that Safe Sport thing we talked yeah, about? Yeah. Still yeah. not listed there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the fetishization of British men who hold the majority of the coaching positions and not to dog on British women's football, which is quite good, but they haven't won anything to speak of compared to the U.S. system. So why on fucking earth are there not U.S. women's coaches in U.S. women's coaching positions? I don't fucking know. Um, You know, this idea that British people know about football is like, like, I don't know, like 1897 is calling you because they haven't won shit. So for those of you that um, only, what?
0: With the exception of Bev Priestman, who was a British woman and team Canada, that's the, the exception to this, but
1: she's not Just a man. Because they're colonial subjects. It's not my problem. Listen, <laughs> like, point stands the fetishization of Brits as knowing this is part of it. It's like this idea of this mystique that this genius man is going to swagger in and solve football problems. It leads to this kind of abuse because these women really believed in him and it's really painful to read that they felt like this was the person that could bring out the best in me. This was the typecast. You know, we have this as the image in our head and I think we really need to break that because I think these predators are really using that.
0: That's a really good point. And the fact that he used and knew of his power and the dynamic here is so dangerous. I think there's one thing that I do want to point out in addition, because in addition to the sexual coercion, there is also psychological torture and maltreatment here. And this is something we really need to pay attention to is that the way in which elite athletes rely heavily on a coach for guidance and to help their game. And we have a tendency to think that you know, we as a society rather um, have a tendency to think that elite athletes, because they're so physically strong, will not be impacted the same way. That is untrue. And it needs to be debunked because there's a vulnerability here as an elite athlete, as a player. And I mean, one of the things that was the most harrowing for me, and you're right, you can't parse that specifically, but one of the things that made me lurch, like physically react when I read this piece was his insistence that um, Shaman Shanade actually perform sexually for him. Otherwise, the team would have to undergo suicide drills. That literally made me lurch because not only is he putting that horrible pressure on them, they're responsible for the 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 you know the their team in that moment and putting them in a position to have to, they felt like protecting their team from doing this unnecessary arduous and grueling physical drill that you know all of it is horrible all of it all of it is fucking terrible but that particular moment because I could and this also speaks to the writing of Meg and you know with Katie is I felt that fear and that that distress in that moment of those players I absolutely felt it and it was awful Like, like you just can't fucking it just made me really fucking angry.
1: It's disgusting. I mean, and I just want to say one more time, we just had an episode on, um, you know, new cases of, of sexual assault. And I just want to say, though, this is not necessarily, I don't know, sexual assault. It hasn't been properly investigated. So we really don't know. But what we do know is that this lies on a continuum of misogyny and sexism. So you can blow off stuff like equal pay and say that's not the same thing. But in fact, it it's like there's this spectrum out there of normalization of women being less than being um, objects in being victims of etc cetera, etc cetera, right and on the one hand you might have something like oh we just don't schedule women's games very well and then on the other end of the spectrum you have things as serious as assault and it's like all of those things work together whether it's like here's the like ha not a big deal sexism to the incredibly you know pernicious and it doesn't mean that the that every um, person is capable of lying within that spectrum, but that by blowing off one thing, you are enabling and normalizing the other. Do you know what I mean? By saying like, just, oh, who cares about that NWSL? Like all that shit, that like leads directly to it being more and more difficult to saying, this is my workplace. I, I deserve to be treated fairly. This should be, you know, against the rules. I mean- That's just the way I feel about that.
0: (laughs) And it's true. And it kind of leads into the next point I was going to make about this was that one of the things that we felt and you feel while reading, and this is something that Meg conveys in the piece, is that the reluctance of the players to report in the first place, to not to bring out, you know, not to air dirty laundry because the league wasn't sustainable anyway. And I think that this is something that really hit me because you, you want Mm -hmm. to grow the game. Mm -hmm. You don't want to draw negative attention to it. And I can Mm -hmm. understand why the players would have hesitated because they don't want to draw negative attention to it and the conundrum there and the the torturous choice that you make. And, you know, we have reconciled on this show that we we look at things critically and then we, you know, we talk about them because we want to grow the game, but we're not in a position of being professional athletes where our professions are thereby affected by this and that was brought forward and it made me think a lot about what they have to endure and one of the last things I'm going to ask is what do you want to see happen Brenda you know a lot about soccer governance
1: you're our expert on this like what do you want to see here happen I want to see the the EEOC open a case I'd like to see this go to the government level and say this is too big it's too common it's too endemic um to US soccer period uh, to be handled by the Federation. Um, yeah, I think like if you have a workplace like this, you know, you remember the Nike cases, you know, a few years ago and things like that. I mean, I mean, at a certain point, the government needs to, to regulate this if the industries are unable to do it. So the football industry I think has shown itself to be uh, entirely incapable. Of providing a safe working environment for women, um, people of color, LGBTQ players. And so I'd like to see those connected, you know, as a hostile workplace. And I'd like to see them stop hiring um, British male coaches that have a history of abusing their players. That seems to be like the fucking minimum.
0: Absolutely. I mean, the intersections of like <laughs> it's the so homophobia—saying that—it that look <laughs> like, like the bars and hell, right? Like yes. the intersections of the racism, the misogyny, the violent misogyny—that you know, homophobia here are are wretched. Oh, and yeah. I agree with you. Let's not hire terrible British men. Like, I mean, all I need to hear is Phil Neville is coaching an NWSL team <laughs> and he gets fired from Miami, and then I'm I'm like, no, I'm done.
1: I mean, I mean, are we not waiting? I mean, whatever. I It's like, it, it it's just like you shake your head and you're like, again, it's on the spectrum of things, but going ahead and just hiring people without the experience, without the care, without the like groundwork is part and parcel of just not taking women's sports seriously. Absolutely.
0: And on that, I wanted to thank Meg Linehan and Katie Strang for this reporting. And I totally. reached out reached out to a friend of the show, Meg Linahan to ask for a comment on what this was like, reporting on the story and her thoughts specifically. And Meg told me this this morning, we are recording on Friday. It was always about making sure that men and Sinead were comfortable and had trust between us both ways. This reporting has gone on for months. And I think the deeper I got into it, it obviously it was enraging and many, many other adjectives. But I think yesterday was very instructive as to some of the ways that they have been telling me about since the very minute we spoke for the very first time about institutional betrayal and how the systems have failed time and time again. Um, So I think that's getting some of the statements of the day and the day the story dropped and about seeing the fallout on Thursday only spoke to the institutional betrayal that they were talking about. Um, so, again, I thank Meg Linehan for sharing that with us. And this story is terrible. And from this has emerged other commentary from other players. Nadia Nadim also tweeted her, what happened with her and how her signature was forged. You know, in a process of this, it's it's horrific. And, you know, we hear about the lack of response and accountability for the sexual abuse of players in Haiti. We, we're hearing about this constantly. And, you know, at Burn It All Down, our thoughts are with the survivors and the ones who have spoken and who have not spoken. And, you know, we continue to love this game and want to protect the players.